Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. Hi, everybody, and welcome to This Humana Life. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It's a special episode that is not only raw, but also very real. Our friend, colleague, and co-host of This Humana Life, Tara DeLucia, is here to tell our listeners her personal feelings on experiencing a RIF. For those that are not familiar with the acronym RIF, it means Reduction in Force, R-I-F. So a RIF occurs when a position is eliminated with no intention of replacing it and results in a permanent cut in headcount. An employer may decide to reduce its workforce by terminating employees or by means of attrition. So in real time, as we speak and as you listen, Tara is part of a department that is being rift. Tara, <clears throat> in her grace and infinite wisdom, has requested to share with our listeners her heartfelt thoughts and positive outlook at the future. Hey, Tara. Hey, Brittany. Hey, guys. Hey. And you'll have to bear with us, listeners, because this is – we. We're doing this and feeling very, um, uh, for lack of better words, emotional, knowing that we have a colleague and dear friend that this is um, this is for real. And um, it's been a while since our team has been together, so this is um, this is a moment. And uh, so we thank you for being patient while you hear us, and and maybe some silence in the conversation. So. Tara, why don't you go ahead and tell them what department you're with first. Sure. So Humana Homes, under home operations, has a part of the um, business that's called in-home services. So in-home was notified of their sunset early September, and then the last official day is November 30th of this year. So we had about 150 people notified, which is huge. Um, And really, there's a lot of wonderful things happening to the clinical model. And this particular part of the organization uh, didn't really fit into the new model of care. And as we continue to evolve, as the healthcare industry continues to evolve, this particular portion um, has changed. So I think Really, when you look at it at that macro level, the business decision makes sense. 
you know, you can kind of understand the shift and, you know, maybe that's another conversation about that clinical change, the model change. But really from a business perspective, there's a lot of exciting things coming and like a lot of departments, um, they change. And so that's where we, we kind of sit today. And Tara, could you share with us some examples of the work that this group did? Yeah. Just to kind of so, more familiarize. Yeah, that's a good good question actually. So our our staff, they are social workers and nurses and they actually go into the homes of our Medicare Advantage members. So these are the sickest of the sick of the Medicare Advantage members. Um, at one point it was like the top 20% is who Humana Home cared for. Uh, and then in-home cared for the top 5% of the sickest members. And so the idea was that you could get into the home, you could sit with them, you could look at them in their eyes, you can assess for fall risk, you can help uh, connect them with their pharmacist, with food resources, um, a lot of great things, a lot of um, amazing success stories from, from that type of interaction. And as our model of care has changed, so will the way that we interact with members. There'll be a lot of in-home focus, but it won't necessarily be in this care management space. It might be more in the way of, of home health. So our folks never did anything clinical. They never did anything hands-on. They didn't take blood pressure. You know, they weren't doing any wound care. So the, the business has decided to keep that in-home component at a, at a more clinical level. And so that's why there is still emphasis on the great work that can be done in the home, but just not from a care management perspective. Care management can stay telephonic and still be just as effective. So most of our members um, are going over to be assessed to see if they'll stay in the care management telephonically or if they'll stay in a monitored status. And that just means that if they have a clinical event that happens, it'll trigger in our system and we'll have somebody reach out. So we've always got our, you know, our, our eyes and our hands on the members to make sure that they're supported and have what they need, but that doesn't mean 24-7, you know, contact. We can, we can really personalize it, which is great. And that's that, that evolution I was telling you about. Does that what help is a little? the size of the department? Well, so Humana at Home is pretty large, you know, a few thousand, but this particular department was 150 people. And so that includes support staff, um, a lot of the folks that were helping, you know, keeping the wheels on the bus. Um, so it includes any, anyone under that umbrella. Well, so I, I know you've known for maybe 30 days, maybe a little longer, maybe I, I don't recall at this point in time, but so when it happened, what was your initial reaction and has that evolved, has it changed? Yes, so this was something that was very interesting to me. So Humana Home has experienced reduction in the past and every time it happens, it's, it's definitely a, a very like physical, mental, emotional experience, but I have not been on the side of actually being part of the reduction. So this was the first time that I had to kind of really absorb what was happening. And I knew ahead of time, um, so I had a day or two to kind of process what was happening, but when I sat down to kind of hear the message officially, it was so crazy because 
I actually felt a little like dizzy, which was mm-hmm. surprised me mm-hmm. because it wasn't because it was like a big shock out of nowhere. We all kind of saw the changes that were occurring within the business. And so, you know, you could start to make assumptions, not in like a reactionary way, but just trying to, you know, read, read the signs a little bit. So this wasn't like a huge, you know, knock you off your chair kind of experience. But I was shocked that even though I had rationalized and logically thought through this whole thing, I still got like a little dizzy. <laughs> so mm, weird. I'm like, like, is this vertigo? Like, and you know, like I noticed like my heartbeat increased and I, I got a little like sweaty, like my body reacted, even though I was trying to mentally like, deal with it. You know what I mean? Like know that, that this is, this is manageable and this is, I, this is not a big deal, it, but it was, my body was letting me know it was a big deal. Um, and then, you know, it changes daily. And I think I shared with you guys, well, I know I shared with you all that I lost my mom earlier this year. And it's, it's amazing how, like, there are stages of grief and loss built into losing a position. So I think that was something that I really internally felt more than I ever expected to. So, you know, understanding that sometimes I'm going to be angry, sometimes I'm going to feel really sad, sometimes I'm going to be in disbelief. Um, and to kind of go with those emotions and allow them to occur because it is a loss. And, you know, my, my goal is to stay with Humana and find a different role. And, you know, I, I, I love this company. But I'm still losing a role. I'm losing coworkers and direct reports. Um, and, you know, five years of an experience helping members. So there, there is this huge sense of loss there. And that's okay. You know, it's okay that I'm going through these these feelings. And, you know, understanding that not everybody's going to react the same way. And I'll tell you kind of a funny story. And you've all heard my husband, Brett, who is wonderful and so supportive and amazing. So I told him that day, I said, okay, you know, here, here it is. You know, I've let go. This is happening. And he was really sensitive and, you know, super kind about it. And as the day progressed, because he works from home too, um, he was in the kitchen, like making lunch or something, and he was whistling. And he was like whistling a happy tune. And I was sitting in my room, and I'm like, how can you be whistling? I just got whistling today, oh, you know. And it, it, it was so funny because uh, obviously, you know, he's he's wonderful. But it reminded me, like, you know how you you can't really understand certain events in life unless you've gone through them. And so, you know, just to be mindful of that and respectful of that, and even those like your peers and your coworkers, and everybody's going to experience it differently, and that's okay. And then I think the other thing as a leader that I had to do right away was keep my motivation clear. Mm. So I have 90 days to continue in my role. And with that, I continue a lot of the same operations. Now, a lot of it's changed. Obviously, I don't have as much to do as I was before, but I still am responsible for these members. And so my job after that initial sting and everybody kind of was able to breathe, you know, and we came back together as a team, I was able to remind everybody our number one goal and our motivation is to make sure that the member has a perfect experience. So we are going through this. It is difficult. It is probably one of the harder things you have to go through. But we cannot lose faith that our members shouldn't experience um, or, or feel the impact of anything that's going on from the operation. And my team is ridiculously amazing, and every single one of them, you know, is so connected to that why and that member um, that they get it, you know. 
even through your own emotional state, you know, you remember as a professional why you're here and that's to make sure that the, the member is cared for. So that was, um, you know, that is how that initial reaction began and then how it kind of evolved over time. And I will say time makes it so much better. Um, the first week or two was extremely difficult for me and I let myself feel all the emotions and, I, you know, you're distracted. I don't know if, you know, for those that have been through any type of, like, very intense experience, like, it's almost like you have, like, your brain shuts off or something. Like, you're just not as sharp as you normally are. Like, you're foggy. And so I knew about this from the experience with my mom. You know, very different. Obviously, losing, losing a loved one, I can tell you, is very different. But it was still a lot of the same emotions and experiences. So, it, you know, I, I let them happen. Um, and I, I just accepted them knowing that it, it, I was going to come out of it. So I would say that was that was the initial reaction and that evolution. Well, and Tara, I wanted to just add, I feel like you've either read this exact same article or it's, it's kind of the things that you have mentioned are exactly echoed. I was trying to do a little bit of research um, to just also wrap my mind around this because I, I can feel myself being a little bit emotionally, I uh, feel emotionally connected to it, too, um, so I do consider you a, a dear friend and a wonderful work colleague. So before, I was kind of researching, and Susan Peppercorn, she's an executive career and transition coach, wrote an article for Harvard Business Review, and the four components she mentioned were, remember that work and life are interconnected, you touched on that, to be candid, which you're sharing right now, Communicate consistently and transparently, which you definitely do um, with your colleagues and your direct reports, and then connecting your work to purpose, which is kind of the last thing that you mentioned. So you, this is a wonderful discussion, so and thank you so much for sharing. I, it just, as you were mentioning that, I couldn't help but think this sounds so familiar, and the title of her article is... Um, Apologize for the delay. The title of her article is "How to Support Your Remaining Employees After a Layoff." Um, so, I kind oh, of I selfishly that read that a little bit, um, you know, for myself. And um, again, you just you knocked it out of the park with you know describing this and sharing your story with us, as thank usual. You. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about Brett. What I was just thinking about him whistling in the kitchen. I bet. Uh, <laughs> No, you know, so that I'm, you know, I'm just thinking of all the different little things you said from, you know, in just that first week, how the different things were, you thought about your, the members, and you thought about your yeah. coworkers, you thought about your direct reports, yeah. you thought about your colleagues, and you thought about your family, and so it just that full circle of how the emotions just, just, um, I don't want to say fought with one another, but um, collided, maybe. And um, so it, it is interesting. It's, it's it's so much emotion, and you know that's why I feel like people need to give themselves permission to to be a little foggy in, in that time frame. But I do feel that there's a switch that has to happen, and in this type of environment, when time is of the essence, you know, you let yourself feel, you let yourself experience that loss. And then there's this switch and you need to flip it because, mm -hmm. you know, as we'll talk about, there's, there's a lot to the next steps 
and you need to just um, kind of like accept and move forward. So, you know, we can talk a little bit more about that. Sure, sure. And that's just your, your style too. I mean, you see um, the full picture and I can see you just, you know, you know, dusting up, you know, shaking off the dust and you, and got to move on because this is n the next step, you know. So, mm -hmm. so do you consider this situation as a setback or a curveball? Yeah, I love it. I love this question. Um, it's definitely a curveball. I mean, there's, there's no question that it's a curveball. And I think it's because it becomes this huge reflection opportunity for the person going through it. So that setback mindset keeps you in a space where you're not pushing, growing, reflecting, looking into the future. It's the setback and it stops you and you're not in control. Something else has impacted you and taken your control away. Well, the curveball is just this opportunity to, to make it yours and kind of own it and decide what you're going to do in terms of moving forward. So for me, this has become this time to reflect on what is it that I want to do, you know, personally, professionally, um, at Humana, maybe outside of Humana, what is it that brings me energy, you know, that awareness of what am I good at, what do I enjoy, you know, what are my motives for, for wanting to do something, and then where do I need to grow, where are my opportunities. Um, there's been a lot of work that I've been doing to just really dive into this. And I have to say, I'm also going through the uh, 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John C. Maxwell. So he wrote this really cool book that makes you really think about what it is that gives you energy and to really clearly understand. I always thought I needed to have like a very specific end goal. Like, well, I want to be CEO of Humana, which which I don't, Bruce, so don't worry. That's okay. <laughs> well, I tell but, her. I um, doubt, mister. <laughs> he's doing a great job. And, uh, yeah. No, but, but, you know, what is it that I want to do? And it doesn't have to be as specific as I thought, but I do need to understand what I enjoy and what my motives are for wanting. So for me, you know, that's being a people leader, and it, it's helping people grow, and it's helping them move throughout the organization and understand that bigger picture and connecting them to the why. So the more I start writing this stuff down and understanding, now I'm looking at roles that are going to highlight mm -hmm. that, and they're going to allow me to be the best version of me. Um, so that curveball is just this huge opportunity to, like, step back yeah. and start to think, am I doing what I love? Because I, I deserve to be doing what I love, and I, sure. I want to make this world a better place. Now, where in Humana can I do that? That's powerful. So definitely a curveball. <laughs> well, I um, I'm sure Brittany said, you know, we sometimes I'm I can't even think of the right words to say because I just think of how strong and strong you are, and. Um, so you're strategic, you're, you're futuristic, you can think of things that, you know, things that need to be done. You, you help, or you did, you created this podcast and. Exactly. Um, yeah. I was going to bring that up. I was like, you, if we want to take a stroll down memory lane about wanting to grow others, like this podcast was Tara's idea and, and really help go to further serve a purpose um, for a, a need that we saw with our uh, women's network resource group 
membership. There are a couple of years ago, there was like a shift um, from salary to hourly, and you know they couldn't tune in sometimes to some of the other opportunities or programs that the WNRG offered. Um, so Tara came up with this amazing idea and brought it up on a leadership call. Like, what if what if we did a podcast? You know, what would that look like? Let's really focus on growing others with with our words, with interviews, with thought leaders, sharing about other aspects of the business and how it connects, how we build culture together. Um, so just wanted to say this podcast is a testament to, um, you know, you manifesting this wonderful light and positivity to share with others. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, and you all help bring it to life. So, <laughs> um, could not could not have done it without you, both of you, and Melissa, who's our editor and um, producer. So, but thank you for that. How long has it been now? Two years, maybe? How long? I mean, two, three, two, two oh, and a half? Gosh. gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> I think two and a half. I feel like I do a sticky note on my computer that says like it was. I think it was April. <laughs> I can't even remember. When were now. when was our it's debut? Been such a joy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I don't know, but 10, we... 000, yeah. Yeah. Ten thousand listens. <laughs> I mean that's incredible. And and I think back to a lot of the conversations we've had with some incredible um women and men, you know, a lot of them have shared the setbacks or the curveballs mm. that they've gone through in their professional career. And I think that really helped me understand that this is just a moment in time. It's a it's just a moment in time. It's important I think for people to remember too, like work work does not define who we are as people. And there was a point in time where it defined me as a person. Like mm-hmm. that I wasn't sure how to separate myself from the work I was doing. But a lot of these conversations that we've had with incredible thought leaders reminds me that that we are here to to support a wonderful cause and to grow this business and you know to bring a service to what i always think is the most beautiful vulnerable population of people but this does not define who we are as people and so that has helped me also move forward is you know the conversations from these podcasts for sure you know Brittany, if i was tara i would just be I mean, she's so she she's so kind with her uh, message right now, and I, I I'd like to think I would be that way. And I, you know, it could be we never know, right? From one day to the next. So, I mean, I would be complaining or I would be fussing or I don't know. And she's not doing either one. Right, right. I'm I'm with you there, Carmen. I'm not sure how I would feel, but Tara, you're definitely doing it with a, a lot of a lot of grace. Oh, and I was just going to say, so um, we've heard that you can either complain or compete, and you're not complaining. So are you competing? Yeah, this is a good question, too. Definitely competing because complaining is exhausting. Mm. There's just no fruit that comes from it. But the competing part requires you to be ready and to be training and to be thinking and kind of that, like, looking ahead and understanding what it is that you need to be doing. And trust me, that woe is me space is super easy to fall into. I mean, this year, 
especially has been yeah. 2020 has been a doozy all over the board for everyone. Uh, so a lot of this is me remembering I've got to stay in a good headspace. You know, I have to keep keep this within context because it's so easy to blame someone or something or to, you know, blame a business. And it's, it's easy to feel angry and it's easy feel, to feel hurt. Um, and I'm not saying to anyone that they shouldn't feel these feelings. Feel whatever you want to feel. But, but we do have to rise above that at some point. And there's been so many conversations that I've heard of, of people who are angry and they've got to be, you know, they've got to work through that anger. But we have to remember that, you know, we're only able to control what we can control. And then things, and this is, you know, something I'm teaching my girls all the time. Um, recently, Olivia, she ran for freshman class president. She made signs and stickers and she, oh, she just was so excited about it. And she just found out the other day she didn't win. And, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing talking to her about it. She was sad. She cried. She was frustrated, you know, but we kept talking, like, what's in your control and what's out of your control? Um, and, and eventually, you know, I came back to her later. I'm like, you doing all right? You know, <laughs> waiting for this 14-year-old to respond. And she said, yep, I'm okay now. I've worked through it. You know, like, I, here's what I can control, Mom, and here's what like I Like her control. mama. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know? that is but very mature for But she's section. watching me. Sure she is. But she knows I'm going through this, and she knows you know, she knows that I'm looking for other rules and some of these rules aren't working out. And so she's watching how I'm reacting to a current ball. Yeah. She just it, got her current ball. And we've said that a couple right. of times here on the podcast that, you know, you, there are things out of your control, but what you can control is your reaction. And I think that's also one of the seven tenets of Steve Kobe's habits yeah. of highly successful people. So that um, by working on this podcast, that has been a, a lesson for me um, that I constantly struggle and try to work through. But just remembering, you know, something may not go my way, but I can control my reaction to it and then kind of de-escalate from there or further assess. So great, 100%. great thoughts, great 100%. comments. And I can't believe Liv is a freshman. I know. You know no way. When I started with Hibiana, she was nine years old. And my biggest issue was trying to get this American Girl doll. <laughs> and now she's 14. I can't take it. It's crazy. Ten years just goes so quickly, so quickly. Did you have conversations with her? You, I mean, I know you said you had conversations with her about, um, you know, what's happening to mom at work. And how, do you, how did you go about doing that? You know, she said to me, after I shared it with her, she said, why do you still want to work there? Mom, why would you still want to work there? They just let mm. you go. So mm. it was, that was also a good opportunity to kind of share with her a little bit more about, and this is something that I really wanted to share with listeners, too. Like, the decision for a reduction, it's, it's not based on me. You know, it's, it's a business decision. It's, it's about the continued success of the business and that it can't be about me. It's, it's, I, am, I am somebody who's choosing to work at a business 
and give it, you know, give them my all, but it's, it's not about me. And so helping her to understand that this isn't personal, I'm not offended, you know, this isn't, not, not to say I didn't have to work through those emotions for a minute when it happened, because you do, you start to think, you know, what about my contributions? What about, you know, my, my last rating? Like, you know, but that's not what it's about. You know, all of the things that I've um, contributed were based on my choice to contribute to the organization, and I wouldn't take one second of it back because it was all relevant in that time. It was all purposeful. It was all from a good place, right? My motives were good. So it's, it's all there for the business, and I'm happy to have had the opportunity. So back to your question, I didn't go into all of that with her, mm-hmm. but I was just trying to get her to understand, too, that we take ownership, we don't blame, you know, we we just move forward because these things happen. I think their generation is filled with, like, things that are just kind of handed to them, and they think that, well, I'll just speak for Liv, I won't speak for the generation, but, you know, sometimes I think she thinks that bad things shouldn't happen, you know? And it, just letting her know, like, life is hard. Think, you know, things do happen, and it's it's not your fault. It's just, like, like Brittany said, how are you going to react? So, I don't know, maybe she tuned out and started thinking about TikTok or whatever else, but, but hopefully she was listening to some of it. So I think back about when you said you received the message that um, the department's going to experience a RIF, and was it presented to you uh, via email? Did your leader pull you in? Did they gather you as a group? What did that look like? So typically, and I can't speak for every situation, but typically there's not a lot of warning for a reduction, mm-hmm. and you're pulled into a call, and they they just, you know, carefully share with you, HR will share with you, you know, your, you know, positions being you know, um, reduced or part of a reduction in force, and they spend about 15, 20 minutes just going through some basic, I think, HR, you know, wording, which is difficult because in the moment you're just emotional and trying to sort through this kind of like imbalance that's occurred. So I don't know how much you actually hear, but then they're really great about sending Mm. you information and making sure you have everything you need after. I think what's most important from that, though, is it's really leadership allowing everybody the opportunity to connect. So, like, I reached out to all my associates uh, just to say I'm here because I didn't want to overwhelm them. And some of them said, okay, great, I'd love to talk. And some of them said, I'm, you know, I'm processing, we'll connect later. Um, and then coming together, I think I waited a week or two to come together as a team and just to process. So just to talk through the situation, talk through how people were feeling. Um, we just spent some informal, non-agenda-focused time just, you know, being with one another. Uh, we've had one video chat where we could all see each other, which has been awesome. That was great. You know, we've, we've spent a lot of time working on career cultivation and things like resume writing and interviewing. And, you know, your focus shifts a bit. And as a leader, you've got to be in a good headspace because you're, you're responsible for keeping a lot of folks engaged while they're preparing to be let go from a company. <laughs> you know, that's hard. It's hard to stay focused. Sure. Um, so really just keeping them as supported as possible. Well, you talked about resume writing and 
and updating course. I know um, we're, we have been all encouraged to um, and empowered to keep our talent profile up and so forth. And, yeah. and uh, so, and I know I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation before you, I think you were, you were good with that. You were really, um, I mean, you supported your direct reports to make sure they did that. I know you were a real cheerleader for it, a real proponent, a real advocate for it. Um, so what is your plan to get back in the game, whatever that game looks like? You know I've got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's some of the ways. And, and really this is, this is my words of advice for people going through similar situations. And then some of this is good preparation um, not that I, you know, would ever hope you'd go through it, but just to be mindful, you know, that these are things that could already be in place prior to a situation like this. So I let myself grieve. I recognized it's a loss. I went through the emotion. And then I made a decision to move forward. Like I said, I, I needed about, I think it was 9 to 10 days. <laughs> so I don't know if that's good or bad, but it took me about 9 to 10 days to get the fog lifted and then it was go time. This career shift is a full-time job. Oh my mm. goodness. And for those that are have been a little late to the game, you know, they're, they're still like IMing me and stuff like, oh, you know, this is a lot. It is a lot. But, but you're, you know, there's resume. All of a sudden you're pulling out this resume. My, my advice to all is to continuously update your resume monthly. For those mm -hmm. that haven't, it could be really overwhelming to sit down with a resume that's, you know, a couple years old and not even know where to begin. Um, I will say that career navigation, so career cultivation supports the enterprise. Career navigation supports those that have been impacted by a reduction in force. Oh. And there's two incredible recruiters for, who, I don't know how they do it. They are wonderful, um, Sarah and Paula, but they support all those that are part of a reduction and they will come in and help you with their resume. They are advocates when you're applying for roles. Oh, that's so awesome. That liaison between roles. Oh, my gosh. They are they're amazing. Like, I didn't know good that. Good stuff, good stuff. Did you yeah, know that, Brittany? I didn't, I didn't really, yeah. Yeah, I did not. I mean, I know we have some very incredible and wonderful associates over it in um, talent development. Um, that is a wonderful added service, yes. value add, however you want to refer to it. Um, to assist those that are, are going through something like this. And I know how it feels to revisit a resume. Um, whenever I finished my master's, I was like, oh, on the hunt for something bigger and better at Humana, I knew I had more to contribute. And it is it is scary kind of putting yourself out there and mm -hmm. applying. And it just sometimes it, it feels like you're just, you're trying and you're trying and you're trying. Um, but, I mean, Everything works out for a reason. I, I feel like I have to believe in that a little bit. Um, kind of part okay. of the red thread theory that I have mentioned before, it's kind of part of folklore that everyone travels along this red thread and it takes you to everyone you need to meet in your life. And you know, that's, that's a really kind of cool piece of folklore that my grandma shared with me when I was little and that I've tried to just keep throughout my life in a way and share with others as I find it decent to impart that that same wisdom man that's awesome what a beautiful visual that is so these career navigation folks do they um have they been working with you and the whole team or do you have to reach out to yep. them or how, how does you know 
Yeah, so you reach out to them mm -hmm. and they engage you right away and they'll help you with your resume and just kind of go through some best practices to catch a hiring manager's attention and it is super, super interesting. I think the next thing is they're really there to help you kind of navigate within like certain roles that you might be interested in. So they're they're just there to I mean you know you don't you don't get a ton of time with them but they are I mean they're efficient and they're on it. So if I apply for a role, I would let my recruiter know and say I've applied for you know ABC rec number this, and she'll reach out to the internal hiring recruiter to let them know hey I've got you know. I've got this resume, check it out kind of thing. So it's, it is, if I can really hammer in one thing, it would be through a reduction in force experience, don't waste any time connecting with those career navigators. And, you know, that, that information comes to you with the experience. They, you know how to do that. Uh, but it, they're definitely genuinely interested in helping you stay at Humana. You can feel it. You know they're, they're, they're working the best they can. And then, they're also going to help you with the behavioral questions that you would go through in an interview and kind of talk through what that experience might be. So definitely a, a great resource. And then really you know, keep your LinkedIn profile up to date. And if you don't have one, do it now. Get, you know, start to understand what a LinkedIn profile is and how to use it and how to connect to people. Um, if you already have a LinkedIn profile, ask people to give you um, to give you some comments on there or give the, the recommendations to start to build that profile up before you have to, if that makes sense. And then take the time to reflect on what it is you want to do. So I, that's what I've been doing is just figuring out what gives me energy. And then if you see a role you're interested in, I think one of the biggest things is either talk to the recruiter, talk to your leader. You know, don't just throw spaghetti on the wall to see if it sticks. Like, really be thoughtful and meaningful about what it is that you're applying for. You know, do you meet all the required qualifications? If you don't, don't even apply. You have to meet all the required qualifications. So when I talk about it being, you know, it's, it's a full-time job. I mean, you're, you're really investing time and energy into this entire process. Um, and then practicing the behavioral questions. So a lot of folks haven't interviewed sometimes in like 10 years. Mm. I had one person say, I haven't had an interview in 10 years. Yeah. Or I had, you know, my interview for my last role was super relaxed and, you know, it's, it's different now. You know, the interviewing process is really structured and the Humana way of, of those, those tell me about a time when, that, that, that. So you really want to take the time, I've taken the time to prepare for those conversations in an interview and think through what it is that I want to communicate and share with that hiring manager. Could you refresh me? Is it STAR that your sister responds to an interview with? Because this was some advice that you gave me um, and it helped me out. But again, it's been a while since I've had that interview. Is it a situation so I, task? Yeah. Correct me. This is. Well, so no, that was it. I was doing STAR. That was my thing. But I have been told there's actually um, CORE, which is similar concept. So what was the circumstance you were in? What was the objective or the outcome or the goal that needed to be completed? What specific actions did you take? How did you respond? And then what was the outcome or the end result? And I, I was sharing with some other folks, but, you know, I was in an interview recently, one of the hardest interviews I've ever had, by the way, 
and I was using this core model to respond, but I don't think I was doing a good job with the end result. So I was trying to be concise, I was trying to be thoughtful about my response, and the, you know, one of the interviewers kept saying, well, can you talk a little bit more about the end result? What was the outcome? And I was like, man, I got to go back to the drawing board and do a little more work on this. But wow. I, that was something I really wanted to share with listeners is, you know, you have to put in time. Like, it is like building, a, you know, strengthening a muscle. Like, you have to spend the time to really think about this core model, this idea of responding in a very clear, concise way that shows how you handle the situation or how you were a part of a situation. So uh, that's my new advice, Brittany, is core. Core. But star I like can work too. core better um, than, than star. Yeah, so just, sure. just to reiterate there, that core is circumstance, objective, response, and the end result. I love that. I, I think that can also yeah. be applied to, like, emails or responding um, to certain yes. other situations. I think that's awesome to give a, especially updates on projects, very tightly summed up. So awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I knew there, there was a nugget in there somewhere, and I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy you had it ready to go. Yeah, I'd say, too, YouTube is a great resource for behavioral event oh. interviews. So go on there and watch them happening. You know, listen to how the interviewee is reacting to the, to the question. So that's also another great resource. I guess you could and always again, do a I mock interview, obviously, with your friends or, um, or you pull together a, a group of folks that are your colleagues as well and do some practice, boy, whew, man. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And yes. I think I've mentioned this before on, um, like, another episode, but um, the WNRG did a TED Talk a couple years ago from Amy Cuddy um, on the benefits of hitting a power pose. And at the time, I kind of uh, wrote, wrote this off a little bit, but then my mentor actually shared with me that she, like, went to the bathroom, hit her power pose. Um, you're supposed to hold, like, a, a position that with your shoulders lifted. Um, me, it's my hands on my hips, the Wonder Woman pose. Hold that for one to two minutes, and it will actually, like, boost levels of, like, chemicals in your brain to help you feel more confident. And I have to say I've done this for any kind of major – I think anytime I'm presenting or something like that, I hit my power pose, and I feel like it helps me. Um, it sounds so cheesy, but I, no, I feel like it, it works. I'm guilty, definitely guilty of it. You know, the, 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 the superwoman, we have to be that on occasion, right? Because of this, because of this situation, and because you wanted to share, what is the message that you want others to know? Well, thank you, by the way, Carmen. It's, thank you. Um, I think part of me really wanted to normalize this reduction in force concept and take some of the stigma out of it. It's, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? It's not... Um, it's not something that we shouldn't talk about. Now, granted, reductions in force prior to, you know, um, a department being notified or, you know, HR's involvement, obviously, it's very confidential. 
we'll put that aside. But once the reduction has occurred, you know, you want to be respectful of people and you don't want to pry and you don't want to, you know, upset anyone. But for some of us, it's, it's okay to, for us to talk about it. It's okay to, if you're comfortable with it, to say, yeah, I've been a part of a reduction and I'm good. I'm going to wear it as a badge of honor now. You know, I've had people ask me, well, do you think it's okay to say that I've been in a reduction and force in an interview? And I'm like, absolutely. I mean, it's a normal part of the business world. It's, it's part of the success and the continued success of a business. It's not always about us, right? It's part of the business. So I think that was some of the message that I wanted to share was, don't be, if you're comfortable, don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to ask people how they're doing, if they've let you know they're a part of a reduction. And, and don't let it define you as a, as a person. Um, there's so many other things in our lives, experiences and traits. And you know, when I think about the leaders that I work with, with within in-home, these are top talent individuals. These are dedicated, value-based, amazing human beings. I don't ever want any of them to define their worth based on this reduction. So I think if any one person were to hear that message and be reminded that work is just work. This is not who you are as a person and really believe that, then, then I would be thrilled. And, and I think it also you know, starts, starts you on this path of like, what are healthy boundaries with work? You know, is it, whose job is it to ensure that, that I'm keeping healthy boundaries? It's not the company's job. It's my job. It's my job to make sure that I am fulfilled outside of work. You know, emotionally, um, especially from a, you know, a work at home perspective, it can be all encompassing and now everybody's experiencing that work at home, you know, how difficult it can be to walk away. So what type of boundaries am I putting up to walk away from work, to be fulfilled outside of work, so that if an event like this happens, it doesn't devastate me, you know, it doesn't take me to the ground. And then just remembering like, that business offers so many resources to help us keep those healthy boundaries, to help us understand who we are as people and separate that from the work we do. So when I think about EAP and the resources they offer, I mean, they've been incredible. And if, if you have a reduction in force, do not hesitate to reach out to EAP, and they will assist you with uh, a conversation with your associates about the RIF. So it, it's just a you know, 30, 40-minute presentation that they do um, that talks through the experiences of a reduction in force, the emotional you know, um, implications, just the, just kind of normalizing the experience and talking through it, and they do such a fantastic job. So be the one who reaches out to them and sets it up for your department so that those that need to hear it can hear it. Um, mm -hmm. We've got our network resource groups. We've got, you know, our PTO and VTO options. If you've got VTO on the table, take it. Don't let it sit there. Go do something. Fulfill outside of Humana. You know, understand who you are outside of Humana. Take your PTO and anybody knows me, I am the biggest proponent of taking your paid time off and completely disconnecting from work. If you're taking PGO and you're not disconnecting, that is, that is where those boundary issues are. That's where you start to muddle work life and home life and it becomes intertwined in a way that can sometimes really impact your health and well-being. Um, so there are these resources built into our work environment that are, that are helping to keep us balanced and healthy within our professional lives, but we have to choose to use them. You know, ultimately, 
the reduction of force is just a bump in the road. It is a moment in time. It's becoming part of my story. It's part of that narrative that I'll use. And I talk about that time when I went through a rift and it was super scary and overwhelming, but you can rise up and you will move forward. And it's just like so many unplanned things in life. You know, it's, it's this call and it's this opportunity to grow. You know, it's, it's just dependent on you and how you want to use it. Um, one of the quotes that a dear, dear friend of mine shared recently that I thought was so fitting was by, it's by Denzel Washington. And it's at the end of the day, it's not about what you have or even what you've accomplished. It's about who you've lifted up, who you've made better, and it's about what you've given back. And I was like, yes, that speaks to me because I'll continue to do that, you know, in, in whatever capacity or whatever opportunity comes next. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's a lot to go through, but it's okay. Like, I'm really excited about what's next. And, um, you know, I'll definitely keep you guys posted on what that is. Again, please check out the show notes associated with the episode so that you can have links to all of those wonderful things that we've shared today. Thank you again for the candor and being completely personal in, in your experience and sharing about um, a reduction in force. We will catch you next time. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us this week. Don't forget to check us out on Spotify. And that's it for this episode. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.